This is the Horse Radio Network. Rick Wallace. And I have John Holly here with me. Three phases, dressage, cross-country, show jump. And you're out on course and something's going wrong or going right. You know how to react to what they're doing. It was built originally to be a schooling facility, and so everything's set up very conveniently. Welcome to the John and Rick Show, the voice of the eventing radio show, brought to you by Horse Trailer Pros, and this is our quarantine coronavirus edition. So we are here via Skype today, and um, I'm happy that uh, Rick and I were able to do this. So Rick, welcome uh, welcome to the show with me, and uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, are we getting a little stir-crazy yet? I mean... I'm feeling pretty good. How about you? How are you guys coping over there? We're doing fine. And, you know, I I got to tell you, it does get to be long days after a while when you go, I can't leave the property. Right. But here we are. We're here talking to y'all. We want to really make this week's show kind of cool because we're doing it via Skype, right? Um, that's that's going to be fun. We're, yeah. we're more than six feet away from each other. Just. Just. <laughs> stay at home thing is affecting everybody and i know you know it's been tough but we're gonna have some special guests on yes yes yeah, so we were we were originally gonna have david o'connor but uh obviously he couldn't come into the studio and then we thought well if we're gonna be changing things up it made a lot of sense to have the uscf team dr mark hart come in um, and we're gonna talk about sort of how this whole pandemic is affecting equestrians and right. what we need to be doing moving forward and what's sort of realistic timeline for us getting back and what things need to happen for that to happen basically. Right. right. So, and then we, we also have Martha and John Lambert. Uh, they are my barn mates at the yearling barn at the Ocala jockey club. They're from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Martha is a big uh, off the track thoroughbred trainer. She's been around for, uh, many good years and has done a great job at the RRP. Her daughter's an advanced rider from Texas, Lauren Lampert, and her their father, John. Uh, they, they're they a cool couple to hang out with. And so we have an interview with them at the barn. And, we and, and have, one, one question about them that I, I was thinking about, which you may know the answer to, is I remember Martha sold Kim, then Vinosky, now Severson, her very first good horse, Um that really? she evented and took to Kentucky. And um, we may have to look into that for our next show and find out which horse that was. Cause I remember that was one of Kim's very first top horses that she had. Wow. I didn't know that. That's a little information I can ask Martha and we can get some more information on it. Well, yeah, do yeah. That. yeah we'll check that out. And bring that, bring that have, to the next we have Jay Hamblin. Yep. Yep. We got Jay Hambly, And then uh, we squeeze in there in the middle. We've got, Yvonne Okrant, who is a lawyer, um, specializes in equine law and um, is fortunately for me, also my neighbor and one of my good friends and customers. And so I got to sneak over to her and uh, get an interview. And then as you said, we have Jay Hambly as well, who is an international course designer. He also has built on a team two Olympics. Uh, he built Beijing in Hong Kong with his team. 
And then he actually also is one of the builders for the Tokyo Olympics, which now has been postponed uh, a year, a little over a year. And, um, you know, that's kind of interesting as well as, you know, we talk about the Olympics being postponed. And I think, you know, for us, it makes all kinds of sense. And, and you almost wonder why we didn't do that sooner. But when you think about it from the Olympics standpoint, and from the USEF and all of the national affiliates um, standpoint, it just creates so much work for everybody at the Federation, doesn't it? I mean, oh, yeah, the only imagine changing the 20 to a 21. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and just the logistics of think about it, it took them three years to get all of the contracts in place for things like transportation, for hotels, all of the qualifying competitions, everything took three years to get in place. And now we're saying, right, none of that happens now. And you have to now get it all reorganized in a year. And And we don't uh, even know how long we're going to have for qualifications for that year, because here we are in in one of the, a pandemic that none, none of us have gone through in our lifetime. It's, it's really scary and we don't know what's going on and who knows when we're back to normal. So, right. Right. And, and questions. And and the Federation makes so much of their money off of the competitions and without those competitions running Federation doesn't have the money coming in. They're losing, you know, I'm sure a ton of money every month. And, um, you know, I'm, you know, the first reaction is, Oh, so what they'll make it back. And, you know, the, the Federation will be okay, but it is a daunting task to think about reorganizing all of those teams to get to the Olympics, especially when, like you said, we don't know when we're going to start. The Federation doesn't know when we're going to start and they don't have the money coming in to even get that started. And then, you know, it opens up where the pool of athletes was starting to get narrowed down and they could be more focused on what they were spending that money on. All of a sudden that whole other pool. pool of athletes, it's opened up again, right? Everybody's back in the mix. I was thinking about that today when we were doing that daily hack that we do. Um, I was like, there's going to be a lot of people that, well, depending on when we get back into this, right? I mean, if we only have six months, there right. might not be a whole different pool. But but with that being said, there's just opens a lot of questions. Across the board, I even saw the swimmer, uh, Mike, um, Michael Fe- uh, Phelps today, yep. um, talking about just all these athletes that were preparing and getting ready to go. And then all of a sudden this happens and they all understand, believe me, they understand this pandemic and they understand what's happening. But he says with athletes with this high intensity um, and, and being equestrians with a, with a horse, they, he says there's this huge depression uh, mode that comes in that, you know, you've built all the way up to this and all of a sudden everything compresses back down. And so I thought it was pretty cool that he was open about his anxiety and depression um, and that with this kind of thing, that he was opening his phone to anybody that needed to call him as an athlete that got depressed or was having anxiety about what was going on. Because some people, let's go with gymnasts, you know, male gymnasts, especially, I mean, they have a time frame on their bodies, right? Um, So I just think it opens up a lot of a lot of dif- different windows that we have to look through, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know that sort of brings us to the question of like, what do we do with our horses? I mean, my horses, as I'm sure yours did, we started up. I know yours did. Started up in January. Right. Um, some of them a little bit later. If we were planning on heading up to Bromont, 
or maybe Jersey Fresh. Um, and then all of a sudden that all gets set aside. And now realistically, like for me, I'm looking at going to Jockey Club in November as my next big CCI long, realistically. So, right. and the national. Know, I, right, absolutely, in the national championship. And so what do we do with those horses right now? You know, right. I've had a lot of conversations. You and I have had those conversations about what do what do we do? And so, you know, for me, I'm keeping mine going right now. They're working six days a week. They're doing all the flat work and they're jumping, but they're not galloping. And then I'm planning come middle of May, assuming that we're still hoping that that timeline of maybe being able to start competing sometime midsummer. Um, I'm kind of hoping for August, but maybe I'm being a little optimistic. If that's a possibility, then they do need a break at some point too, don't they? So definitely. So I know, so I'm. I know. I know. To that point, we've been doing a lot of hacking, um, and and I'm finding like I have this one horse, this Dutch horse that we got. Actually, I had it was sourced from Caroline Martin, and it went to a client, but now I got it back. Long story is this whole time frame because he's a little bit difficult and like snarky. This hacking thing has been the best thing that could ever happen to him. Um, he's going out. He's enjoying himself. I'm doing these live live videos with one rain, and I'm able to do all kinds of stuff with him. And he's not being – a turkey ran out in front of us today. And he, right. I had one with the phone, and he was like – he didn't do any – I was like, this is – you know, there's some benefits to what we're doing. For sure. Um, I actually got to watch it. You were down by the uh, tiger traps on that <laughs> horse. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yep. was pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's interesting. So now when I'm schooling mine, like mine are doing a lot of hacking as well. But when I do bring them into the arena and school them, where in the past, maybe I would feel like I need to make them, you know, stronger and work harder and make sure they're ready for the event. Now, you know, if they give me 25 good minutes of solid work, I give them a pat and say, that's great. We're done. Be happy right now. And I think it's going to be interesting going forward. How do we strike that balance? Because I like you're in the same place I am where I'm starting to realize like, you know, maybe a little bit less is more going forward as well, because the horses are much happier, much better and going great because of this little forced break that we're all on. Yeah, I agree. And I think with everybody else out there, it's interesting uh, on what you try to figure out what you try to do, but you know, I'm taking it a day at a time. Briggs is taking it a day at a time. I know you are. I think everybody um, I'm, I'm, hoping that we all take this seriously. And I know Mark's going to be on in our segment to talk about what we need to do as equestrians staying home and staying out of uh, the pandemic way. And so what we can do is, is listen to what he has to say and know that this isn't a hoax, everybody. Um, you know, this is a real thing. It's happening um, and we need to stay safe and, and try to do our best to do what we can as, as humans and not spread this horrible virus. Well said. Well, let's go take a break, and we'll be back with Dr. Mark Hart. Thanks. Sweet Dixie South is an equestrian facility built for the lifestyle of eventers of all levels. Whether you are coming to Ocala for the entire season, a week, a month, or a year, this beautiful 160-acre farm is the place to settle in and enjoy your time with horses. They offer a full cross-country course with two water features, banks, ditches, and amazing footing to gallop spectacular all-weather footing ring, large grass jumping fields, and dressage rings. Located in the rolling hills of North Marion County in Reddick, Florida, Sweet Dixie South has 100 stalls and numerous paddocks 
apartments, a line of camper hookups, washer and dryer amenities, as well as common areas to complete your experience during your stay. Under the ownership of Mike Campbell and the management of Can Do Joe Adams at Top Rail Tack, Sweet Dixie South has transformed into a premier eventing training facility in Florida. Go to www.sweetdixiesouth.com for more information. The equestrian life has big highs, heartbreaking lows, and so many moments of self-doubt. From CCI 5 Star to Starter, every rider needs a support system and a cheering section. A care package filled with equestrian goodies can be the perfect way to celebrate, congratulate, or commiserate. Let Present Pony do the work so you don't have to miss an opportunity to express your love and support. Jump for Joy show jumps are FEI approved or perfect for your private farm. They're easy to move and high quality and durable, so there's never any painting or scraping required. Need a custom jump with your farm logo or a sponsor jump to place on course? The options are endless. Jump for Joy has something for every budget and can work with you on design. These are just a few of the jumps that we've had custom built for us over the years by Jump for Joy. Check them out at jumpforjoyusa.com. Zachary Brandt Eventing is located in Northwest Ocala and currently has openings for horses in training and for sale. Zach has experience riding multiple horses up through the advanced and four-star level, as well as teaching riders and horses of all ages and levels. In addition to teaching lessons, Zach is also available for clinics as well as coaching at competitions. You can find Zach on Facebook and on Instagram. All right, welcome back to the John and Rick Show, the voice of the Eventing Radio Network. And we are here via Skype with Dr. Mark Hart, USEF team physician and uh, a man who can't say no, so he has lots of titles. Mark, thanks for joining us. Uh, good to be here. Yeah, thanks, um, Dr. Mark. Uh, appreciate you being here. And also, this is presented by Horse Trailer Pros, which is a great presenting sponsor. Um, I don't know if you did say that, but I'm going to repeat it. That's good. You can never say enough. Uh, say that enough times. So, um, Mark, obviously the main concern that is sort of rocking the entire world and obviously the horse world as well is this COVID-19 coronavirus. And, um, you know, there's lots of advice being given out by different governments, the federal government, state government. Um, and I guess the big question for all of our viewers really is how does that affect us? And, um, you know, people are sort of wondering what, what's your advice for, people who have horses and particularly event riders who have horses? Well, I think what's different about a pandemic versus a natural disaster and things is, you know, our initial inclination is try to keep life as normal as possible, help out everybody. But in this particular pandemic, what's important is, is spreading or preventing the spread of the virus, which is incredibly contagious. Um, it affects all ages in life. Young people are not necessarily more protected than other people. And it, it's opposite of what we normally do. We have to basically social distance, which is very unusual for us, and to stay away from our friends, our coworkers, 
um, you know, as much as possible because it's not only good for us, but that's what's going to help society to, as they say, flatten the curve so the medical system can handle the number of cases that are going to be coming in. Obviously, there's essential jobs. You still have to take care of your horses, um, you know, but, you know, the other things that decrease contact, like, you know, giving lessons, multiple people, you know, really practicing best practices in the barn to stay safe. You know, I think it is a good idea um, with the new regulations with a mask, if you're in a group situation or just if you're outside your home is to wear it. And this is not to protect you from getting the virus, but to reduce the chance of you infecting somebody else or somebody else's mother or grandmother or something. Um, so the masks are good for that because another thing that's unusual is most cases you're contagious maybe 24 hours before you show symptoms. But with the coronavirus, people are, you know, seven, 10 days without any symptoms whatsoever, and they're totally infected for this whole period of time. So people unwittingly are spreading the virus. And that's why, you know, in certain, you know, hot spots, as they call them, it's just exponentially exploded. And I know of several cases in the, you know, equine community on Cala where barns have had people with positive tests. So we need to really not spend much time going back and forth. And I think bringing in other people into your facility puts you at risk to some degree because, you know, you don't know where they've been. They don't know what they've touched. And it's a simple doorknob, a piece of tack that somebody else touches. We just really, really, really need to be careful and the quicker we do that, the quicker we're going to come back to our normal activities and save lives. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. I think it's been a wave of denial for a while. Um, some people took this seriously from the beginning. Um, and some of us, it took a little bit longer to figure out this is really happening. And so I think to your point, um, a lot of people started the social distancing. There was a lot of back and forth on Facebook about people doing schooling shows in the very beginning, you know, people are trying to do the right thing without really knowing what the right thing was. Um, and I think as we move through this now with the governor finally in Florida issuing a stay at home, I think John and I and Elisa and, and everybody that we know, Leslie, the laws are all trying to facilitate safe practices. And that's exactly what you say, stay at home. You know, we have one employee in our barn. We have eight horses that have no clients anymore. They're all, they all shipped out. Um, and we're keeping it that way. Briggs and I went to the grocery store today and we put on masks and we, you know, went around and did everything we were supposed to do. John, uh, and I think to, to Dr. Hart's point is we are having a little bit of struggle with some people understanding what you're, you're telling them to do. And I'm glad you're here telling them that. Well, I guess that's sort of the question, uh, Dr. Hart, is in Florida and I think a lot of other, well, I know a lot of other states I saw this morning, there aren't many states that haven't done it. You have this, um, these regulations in place where it's only, um, gosh, I'm, I'm missing the word here. Rick, help me out. Um, essential. That's the big yeah. word. Essential, big word. Yeah. essential, essential right. only essential businesses. And I think there's been some confusion amongst some of our peers and, and even some fathers of kids where um, they don't understand it's essential business, not essential to your business. So maybe you can help us out with that. What yeah. are we and are we not allowed to do? 
That's a very good question, John, because I think um, the government has not been too clear or been clear in some uh, jurisdictions versus others is what is really essential. Essential is, you know, we need to keep people safe. We need to take care of sick people. We need to have people fed, the water on, the utilities working. But, you know, that is what essential to life is, not earning an income, unfortunately, now, because as everybody's seen, especially the people in the service industries, have been devastated. But hopefully this will be a short-term, you know, fix you know, so we can get back to, you know, those people working again, providing for their families, you know, and get us getting back to our normal activities. But you really need to not be selfish. And I and I don't mean this in a derogatory term, but people really need to look. It's the first time in probably a gener three generations that people have had to make individual sacrifices for the good of society. And you know, maybe there's a silver lining in all this is that we really need to think outside our own little sphere and think about, you know, the world around us and what's going to happen if we don't individually, you know, follow these practices. I, I think that's a really good point. Um, and I, I do know that with me owning a school, uh, it's a vocational school, we went to distance learning within the first two weeks of this happening. Um, so we still do online teaching, but our teachers all are doing it distance learning. Um, what I think, and I, I didn't, I didn't even mention this yesterday. We had a conference call with the, with somebody and I, I, in, in the fall was doing virtual lessons with, uh, Facebook and, and ear pods. It worked really well. I mean, the kid lived in Georgia. I was here. We FaceTime. She jumped. She had ear pods in, she did dressage and it worked really well. I think we, as an, an equestrian, um, family needs to start learning how to use FaceTime yeah. um, or Zoom or whatever to start doing these virtual lessons. You can do them and see what's going on and give your input and get paid for a lesson. Well, look at Charlotte Dujardin for years has been giving international lessons while she's sitting at night in her pajamas and, you know, exactly. she charges for those and it, and it works. Yep. John, you froze. Are you there? <laughs> Well, John's frozen right now. He must have really liked that idea. So we got a little stuck in the video. Um, so what is what is happening? I know California is a little bit ahead of the curve because they kind of implemented a stay at home very early on. Um, do you feel that California is ahead of, of the rest of the country in, in getting to what they call the peak on this? Um, I, I definitely, I'm not sure where their peak is going to be, but their peak is not going to be a surge. And that's what we're worried about the most, because if we hit a high surge level and exceed the, you know, the capacity that we have to care for patients, not only the COVID patients, but remember, you know, hospitals are 80, 90% usually full. And if you go above that, those people are going to die too of other conditions. You know, right. the heart attacks still happen, the appendicitis is still happen, you know, and hopefully we can reduce accidents too. You know, people don't realize that, you know, in New York City, if you fell off your horse and hit your head, this would not be the time that you're going to get the right trauma care that you need. And it's going to put you at increased risk to, um, you know, be exposed to other patients there that have COVID. So, you know, there's selfish reasons too, not to need to go into, you know, a healthcare system now and to overwhelm the people. This is gonna be going on for a while. 
I mean, the case numbers will still be high. There's no question, you know, that this is going to be persistent until we develop treatments, vaccines, and some herd immunity. Um, but the question is, is if we can flatten down the curve, which the West Coast has done pretty well so far, that we won't basically exceed the, the medical resources that we have to take care of sick people, not only COVID patients, but non-COVID patients. Yeah, and so, I think, I'm sorry, John, go ahead. I was just going to ask, so with that in mind, then how do we know when we're going to, like, basically, what do, what needs to happen for us to return to some sort of normalcy? Like, I think everybody has a little bit of this fantasy that one day you're going to come out to us and say, right, guys, we're ready to go back to competition on August 1st or October 1st, and this is, we're good to go. But yeah. I have a feeling that's probably not realistic. So yeah. what's what are we looking at here going forward? And that's been interesting with the discussions with the IOC and, you know, resetting the Olympics for a year from now. What about the qualifiers? How are we going to make this fair? It's going to be a whack-a-mole problem for the next year. So I suspect the public health experts are going to look regionally where the curve is flattened and slowly let people come back to some normalcy. But there will be new hotspots over the next year where regionally places will have to reinstitute social distancing and stay at homes. It's not going to be an all or none phenomenon. The country, this is just not going to pass. We're going to get on the downside of the curve and everybody can do everything normal again. So this is, this is going to be a long haul. It's going to be 12 to 18 months probably of different regional hotspots, which as much as we all travel on a global basis can still pose a big threat for, and remember the, the closest thing to this that we've seen is the Spanish flu epidemic 102 years ago that infected a quarter of the world's population and that we lost between 50 and 100 million people. The first wave of the Spanish flu did not kill the most people. It's the second wave that killed tens of millions of people. We have to be careful. And we got to listen to the experts, not Dr. Google or, you know, somebody gets on the internet and they're, they're an expert. They're a public health expert in an hour. We need to listen to the people that this is what their job is. This is what their expertise, you know, and we're still going to loosen probably some of the restrictions, but it's not going to be totally back to normal. And I think some things like handshaking and you know that might not ever get back to normal. Right. So I, my question is while we're, you know, the CDC just put out for the masks, as you just said, like two days ago, whether they're not medical quality, but we have them on, we're not protecting ourselves, but we're protecting others for exactly. if, if we have um, symptoms or a systematic and, and we pass it on. Why? My question is, why didn't we go right away with that and just be over cautious, then wait a full at the long time? As a doctor, do you would you have implemented implemented that early on? Or is that just the case of, of us getting in a governmental tug of war of what to do? Well, I think the short answer is nothing's purely public health and politics way into it. Right. Um, I think a, a lot of governments were worried about scaring their citizens, what it would do for the economy. You know, we've seen it here in the United States, no less worldwide, but it's a practicality. Um, the nice thing about the mask, which it didn't hurt anybody 
with the exception is th- some people might take it the wrong way that they're safe and they can just do everything if they have a mask on. Right. Masks are just part, one of the tools that we have to reduce the transmission in asymptomatic patients of the virus. It doesn't eliminate it. It helps, but it doesn't eliminate it. So you can't just wear a mask and do everything. And I think the discussions with the World Health Organization were exactly that. You know, they didn't want to give the people a false sense of security that they didn't need to follow all the other guidelines to reduce the transmission of the virus. Got it. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Dr. Hart. I really appreciate your time. Um, I know you're a busy guy, and we uh, took advantage of your of your yeah. one day off probably all month. So yeah, thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Okay. Thank you, guys. And, and it's right. good to get hey. the message out. All right, yeah. Wonderful. Thanks Definitely. so much. We might come thank back you. to you again. Thanks. No problem at all. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Special thanks to our contributing sponsor, Black Horse Farm, fox hunting and eventing. Located in Area 4, Black Horse Farm and the Mossback Hounds in Elizabeth, Illinois, welcome active USEA eventers to come join them for an introductory fox hunt free of charge. Ride with Master of the Hounds, Tony Leahy, and the Mossback Hounds over some of the finest hunt territory in the entire country. For further details, visit Black Horse Farm on Facebook to arrange for a ride sponsor. When I compete, I demand the best out of my horses and myself. That means being the best version of me I can, both mentally and physically. That's why CrossFit Antics is my home gym. Coach Vilma creates a fun, welcoming environment that encourages athletes from beginners to seasoned veterans to be their best. New to CrossFit? No problem. Coach V will modify the workout to suit you in a fun, challenging way. Be sure to mention the John and Rick Show for a special discount. ERA of North America is the voice of the rider. To assimilate and leverage the collective voice of North American riders, equine professionals, and owners, ERA of North America works to improve the overall safety, welfare, visibility, and growth of the sport. Be sure to go to www.eraofna.com and jump in. You can compare, you can contrast, but in the end, there's only one ultra-premium horse feed. Pro Elite Horse Feed. Its nutrition lock formulas ensure quality. Its advanced amino acid profiles maximize performance. Its regulated starch and sugar levels mean confident calorie sourcings, and its superior digestibility leads to an overall healthier horse. When it comes to feeding your champion horse, there is no competition. There's Pro Elite Horse Feed. For more information, visit www.proelitehorsefeed.com. Well, welcome back. What a great interview that was with Dr. Hart, and I hope everybody will. Uh, listen to that and understand it. Welcome back to the John and Rick Show, uh, the voice of the eventing radio show, and brought to you to you today by Horse Trailer Pros. Um, we are coming to you by Skype, as John has mentioned in the other segments. We're uh, practicing that social distancing as well as, as the stay-at-home order. What we're going to bring to you next, um, John, is um, my barn mates here at the Jockey Club. They're in the yearling barn on the on the what's considered the east wing um, of the barn. We have 34 stalls. Uh, Martha and John Lambert are from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Martha has been involved in the horse world for many, many years, and she's well known for her work with thoroughbreds and going to the uh, thoroughbred makeover. She's a delight to have in the barn along with her husband, John. They have a daughter named Lauren from Texas, Lauren uh, Lampert. 
that um, just completed her first advance with her horse Fantastic uh, at Red Hills. So enjoy this interview with them. Um, it was before the stay at home order, but Martha and John were going through some issues with um, the state of Kentucky issuing uh, boarding um, facility mandates that um, Martha was having to do from long distance. She has a pretty big boarding facility in, in Louisville. So enjoy. So now we're coming down the light tunnel into the Lampert area during this Corona virus issue. Yes, you are. Oh my gosh, look, she's got like a halo on her head. Oh, I do. So we're just coming down to interview for the John and Rick show. And we thought we'd ask you a few questions about your stay here at the Jockey Club. Jockey Club is wonderful. I love coming to the Jockey Club. No place better. See, and John? Great place to be. So, so tell us about the dilemma with the coronavirus. How has that changed your plans? Well, it's changed my Kentucky farm a lot. We've had to close it as of Thursday at 8 p.m. Uh, and how did that go over? It went over well for 90% of the people, and then it was that little 10% that can really not make you very happy very happy and it doesn't make you sleep well at night. right but well we once all we know. got through 24 hours it, it's fine it's good yeah the guidelines are being put into place right now and our farm facility will open up on monday so it gets to open back up monday yes, on a schedule only on two, a schedule only two people out at a time oh good okay so once that gets put in place and everybody kind of probably will settle down because they get their they will know their Walking schedule, into they the will thing. know their time, they will all show up with their own spray bottles of sterilization sprays, and I have very strict rules and guidelines for them to follow. Well, that's good. So here in Florida, so we joined John and Martha, and our, we're down here. We're on the, I guess, what side is that? That's the west wing. Yes. <laughs> They're on the east wing, and so we are pretty much... We're pretty much separated, right? Yes, we are separated. We're separate, and we're six feet apart. We're six feet apart. Even yes. though the wind's blowing. Yes. It's okay. We are. We but are we've, we've been, in, by the of rules. course, Briggs, and we cohabitate since January, right? January. And we cohabitate really well. And really last well. November. Really well. You all are going to miss us when we leave. I know. It's going to be like nothing going on. I know. It's like, gosh, it's so not fun not having Martha and John around. I agree with that. So. And we're going to be like at home what do you, John, what do you think about the coronavirus itself? What's your thoughts? As if you're healthy, I think you're all right. Right. Everybody has to take precautions. Everybody's got to do that. So your plan is to go to later in April. Later in April. Uh -huh. I have a new trailer on the factory line, so I have to wait for the new trailer. Oh, good for you. So Lauren's your daughter, an advanced rider. Yes. Lauren since Lauren Red Hill. Well, she again renewed her advanced category by going advanced at Red Hills, correct? Yes. yes. So right. that was a super go. That was a super go. Our Fantastic's first advanced, and they rocked and it. And he looked amazing. I even saw him going cross country, yes. so you must be very proud. I know what it's like to have a daughter go around. You were nervous, weren't you? I was nervous, yes. <laughs> and everybody that saw me knew I was nervous. And Dad, were you nervous? I have a lot of faith in that horse. He is a very good jumper. Lauren's a good rider. She's had extremely good bringing up 
background in writing and very similar to Lisa. And I trust the both of them. Now there would be different if it was a different kind of horse, but right. I trust No, them. I've watched that one since y'all brought it last year and it's a pretty cool horse. Yeah, it is. So congratulations. He was a long term put together plan, but the Lauren put him together quite and well. did a great job. Yes. So thanks for being on the John and Rick show. We're yeah, signing off from the Ocala Jockey Club at the Yearling Barn. And to our next month together. Yes. Yes. Here we go. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for getting that interview, Rick. That was that was good to hear from Martha and John. Um, so they obviously have their hands full, you know, and that was done before the stay at home order here in Florida. Um, and I can sympathize with them. We're pretty lucky here at my place because although we do have people coming in and out, it's not really a boring facility per se. And so all of my people are pretty understanding of the situation. And, you know, I think it sounds from what Martha was saying, like their people are pretty understanding now as well, but it sounded like it was a little bit tough in the beginning. You can understand that people sort of turned to the horses as their bit of sanity. And I'm sure when they first heard this, they, a lot of people felt like, well, at least I can go and spend time with my horse. And then you get told by the barn owner that you can't, that's got to be incredibly difficult. Yeah. And I think there was a little bit of, as she said in her in interview, the horse council in Kentucky came up with the guidelines. Um, and I think they were a little bit more stringent than what the governor's office would have wanted. Um, and I think they kind of mitigated some of that and that made it so they could allow um, their borders to come out, but on a scheduled time period, as she talked about. And I think right. that's a challenge for all of us, right? We, we try to figure this out. I'm lucky. Um, Briggs and I don't have any client. We had one client and he went home to Georgia last week before the stay at home. Um, Martha and John are still here. Uh, they're trying to get out. They are leaving. They want to leave April 10th. Um, she had ordered a new trailer. She was worried she, now that she ordered this new trailer, was it going to get out of manufacturing and get shipped to her? Um, it's, I understand that it is, and they're trying to get back home to Kentucky. Um, so I, I, like, like I said, we've enjoyed having them here. They um, are always a joy to have, and, and we'll look forward to seeing them next year. So, Right. And, you know, that's the that's sort of the thing where, where we're at as well is, thinking about next year at this point, I mean, we've kind of stepped away and said that there's no point in hoping that this show is going to run or that competition is going to happen and just sort of said, right, for now, we're just going to say things are not happening. Um, but I have to say things at some point are going to have to return to some kind of normal. And, you know, like Dr. Hart was saying earlier that, you know, there's certain things that need to happen medically wise, testing, things like that. Um, but, you know, I think at some point, I hope by this late summer, early autumn, that we're at least able to, in some sort of staged way to get back to life, right? I mean, we're going to have to, aren't we? And I think to his point, and not to cause panic, but I think at the same time, I think what I'm learning through all of this is that I think we should overreact in the beginning and then no, no harm done instead of underreacting. And to his point on the Spanish flu that we talked about in 1918, that took 50 million people worldwide. Um, it was the second wave of that right. flu 
that really created a problem. And I, when I heard him talking about that, I was like, oh my gosh, we're just in the first wave, right? right. How long? Absolutely. We don't know, to your point. I mean, what do you do? I think we just kind of sit back, let things happen, and not get anxious at this point about when we're going to compete again, because it might be a while. It certainly could be. And it sounded to me from my 30 to 45 minutes of a lot of news time that um, one of the big things that needs to happen before we can even think about returning to any sort of normal is we have to have some testing so that people know, you know, some quick tests that are available to the the numbers of people that we need. And when we get there, I think that'll help a lot. And, you know, obviously I took us a little bit off of um, John and Martha, but just thinking about how they get home um, and what stuff needs to happen for them to be able to go. And I, you know, obviously don't have to wait for all of this, but at this point, the thought of leaving my farm here to travel 12 hours, 13 hours North home would be daunting. And I can imagine that it's got to be stressful for them both. Yeah, I, I do. And, and I think the Kentucky order is they obviously have to self quarantine for 14 days once they get back. Um, so that's a mandate by the governor when they get back into the um, state of Kentucky. So they have to contend with that. Um, to the other things that are happening, it's, it's just, you just got to take it a day at a time and, and understand that we're going to do the best we can with what we got. And I'm sure we'll be creative and come up with different ways of doing things here quickly in the, in the near future. Right. All right. Um, all right. Well, listen, let's take a quick break and then we'll right. be back. We've got Yvonne Okrant coming in our next segment, and she's going to give us a little bit of a look into the legal side of all of this. We'll be right all back. Right. Sounds like a plan. The equestrian life has big highs, heartbreaking lows, and so many moments of self-doubt. From CCI 5 Star to Starter, every rider needs a support system and a cheering section. A care package filled with equestrian goodies can be the perfect way to celebrate, congratulate, or commiserate. Let Present Pony do the work so you don't have to miss an opportunity to express your love and support. Summit Joint Performance, the injectable joint supplement used by numerous international and Olympic riders, invites you to experience the winning Summit difference. Made of all natural ingredients, Summit increases mobility and comfort. Win your class with Summit Joint Performance. ERA of North America is the voice of the rider. To assimilate and leverage the collective voice of North American riders, equine professionals, and owners, ERA of North America works to improve the overall safety, welfare, visibility, and growth of the sport. Be sure to go to www.eraofna.com and jump in. Welcome back to the John and Rick Show, and I have Foxy joining us for this segment. Um, we are bringing you this by Horse Trailer Pros, which we certainly appreciate. And we are the voice of the horse radio talk show. So the eventing, ra- the eventing radio that, show. That one. Foxy that got one. Off. So what are yeah. we doing now? Um, so we now have my good friend, our good friend, and uh, 
brilliant legal mind, Yvonne Okrant. Um, this, um, I actually went down to Yvonne's farm, which is about a mile from my place before the stay-at-home order here in Florida. So I was able to get out and get a few interviews with some friends to quite honestly get us all prepared for the John and Rick show to be prepared um, to have some good stuff to be able to show everybody and, and play for everybody. Um, so this was just before Florida mandated their stay-at-home orders. Um, we were on social distancing at this point. And so I went over to Yvonne's and she sort of talked to us about what that means and um, gave us some good insight into not only what we needed to do then and what, you know, there's still states who don't have a stay-at-home order, shockingly enough. Um, so she's going to talk to us a little bit about what that means, what the stay-at-home order is going to mean as it was coming forward. She was pretty sure, and obviously she was right that it was going to happen. And um, let's take a listen to Yvonne. All right. So I'm joined today by Yvonne Okrant, who is a good friend of mine, a client, and happily for me, also an exceptionally good lawyer. So Yvonne, thanks for letting me come over. And uh, the first thing I just wanted to talk about a little bit was, obviously, everybody's on this corona virus lockdown right now. And just curious how it's affecting you. I know you've got a couple of very nice horses and one in particular um, and how it's affected you and sort of your daily life with horses. I've been fortunate that we're here in Florida, in Ocala, Florida, where we still have our land and facilities available. We still have access to trainers, keeping social distancing and respecting all of the quarantine requirements. But having horses on property is obviously an advantage. Back in Illinois, where I also have residence and my law practice, we would be boarding our horses at a facility. And as a lawyer, I've been advising clients that are boarding other people's horses, what their requirements in compliance with shelter in place in Illinois, uh, which applies for right now, or just the basic uh, social distancing requirements. So as a horse person, uh, myself, with my own horses, I've been able to continue my daily routine of riding uh, from time to time, maybe schooling off property where there are not other people around. Um, but I really do appreciate the, the stressors that are involved with people whose horses are boarded and they can't gain access to them. And I will say that from personal experience as an amateur rider, um, it's very easy to lose our skills, to lose our, lose our muscle memory. We don't get to ride six, eight, ten horses a day. We have our one horse. If you have the ability to stay in shape, whether it's through physical fitness um, and mental shape by keeping your routine every day, getting up, getting dressed, you know, going outside of your house so that mentally stay shape as well is important because as amateurs, we know as well as the professionals, this will pass. And when the universe is ready for us, that's not the time to then get yourself in shape. Your horse will need you to be in shape. So it's important to keep that normal routine as best as you can to keep yourself physically and mentally in shape. Yeah, which actually kind of brings me to a question or a, a comment that I didn't even think of till just now, which is um, everybody's gyms have closed down, but you've been really lucky with our gym in that um, Vilma over at CrossFit Antics has kept it all or gotten it all going online for us. Um, so how often have you been participating in that? That's actually a huge benefit. And I know there's a lot of free online videos, but what CrossFit Antics does for us is it gives us accountability. She has an exercise routine for six days a week, whether you do it live or you log in later. Whereas if you're just left to your own devices, I don't know that we're all disciplined enough to stick with it. So I would advise that if you have a coach available through um, a gym, maybe you're not going to the gym, but see if they have online resources because they will keep you honest by working out every day. I, honestly, I'm working out more 
now because I don't have to travel anywhere. It's on my own schedule with the way Vilma has set it up. We can do it anytime we want. So again, it's your own, your own discipline in committing to staying within your normal program as best as you can, because when this does pass, you're going to want to be ready to go. Yeah. It's kind of cool because she knows us and she knows if we're there or not. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, and then just moving on a little bit to professional stuff. So obviously there's quarantine regulations and that vary by where you live. Um, have you, I know you can't talk about individual cases, but have you had anything that's come up yet or do you foresee any issues that have come up for professionals like myself in the industry um, that maybe we need to be aware of right now that we don't get ourselves into trouble? Yeah, I think what's really important is if you are in a state that has a shelter in place executive order like Illinois, I believe uh, Minnesota are, has one as well. We know California, New York as well. Um, Chicago is not yet a um, Chicago itself is a shelter in place state, but the downtown Chicago area also has within it its own requirements. So what's important for you guys as professional trainers with your facilities is one, know if you're in a state that has a an executive order in place that will dictate whether or not you are considered an essential business or in Minnesota, it's called a critical business. The taking care of horses is an essential business. You must continue to take care of the horses that are placed in your care, but your clients uh, are not permitted to come and ride their horse as that's not part of an essential business. So what's important for you guys as trainers is to not only understand what the local state statute is requiring, whether it's by executive order or something within your particular um, you know, county, for example, for Marion County, but to also, if you are staying open, you have to respect the social distancing requirements. For example, staying six feet away from others, not allowing more than 10 people at one time, uh, uh, having sanitizing uh, wipes and sanitizing protocol within your facility available. For you guys, I think it's best to equate it to strangles for horses. How would you quarantine your facility from other horses? For strangles is how you need to look at quarantining your facility from other people. It's gonna be tough to tell clients they can't come and ride their horses, but in shelter in place states, that is statutorily required. What I'm doing for clients who have clients that are, I'm sorry, have staff that's permitted to come to provide those essential businesses is I'm actually writing letters for them to keep in their vehicle. So if they get pulled over by uh, enforcement, which will be coming to the state of Florida, it's inevitable it will happen, that they will have the necessary uh, documentation to show that they are an essential service provider, which in your case would be the caring for your horses. It's important to have your staff equipped with that those types of letters or some states are having uh, cards available so that they don't get in, in trouble with law enforcement. But I would think that for you guys, as best as you can to keep your business going, um, make videos of clients' horses, you know, out in their paddocks or tucked in at night. That's one thing that clients want to know is that their horses are okay if they can't get to them. You guys can stay in business, but you're just going to have to find creative ways to keep your clients engaged so that when this all passes, they'll actually be grateful and not, um, you know, basically um, holding you accountable for their inability to enjoy their horses. Perfect. So if anybody has any questions about their specific problem or situations, um, can they contact you about it? Absolutely. My uh, email address, which comes to my personal cell phone, is Y-O-C-R-A-N-T at HinshawLaw.com, which is H-I-N-S-H-A-W. LAW.com, and I will be giving out my personal cell phone number for John and his viewers because I think it's important enough that I be access accessible to all of you. Uh, sometimes it's nights and weekends and holidays that you need me. My cell phone is 847 
420-1613. And let me know that you heard of me through John's podcast, and I'll be giving a special hourly rate discount. Awesome. Thanks, Yvonne, very much for your time. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Welcome back to the John and Rick Show, the voice of the eventing radio show and presented to you by Horse Trailer Pros. That was a great interview, John. I think she brought a lot of things to us that we need to know. And of course, it was a kind of a foresight of of what was happening here in Florida for the stay at home. Um, So what is your takeaway from what she said? Um, well, I mean, obviously I trust Yvonne in, implicitly and I, you know, she's always taken care of us. And so one thing she talked about was that if you have a stay at home order in place and you have a business that has essential employees like we do, because we're having to take care of animals, um, you want them to have a letter and you can write that letter yourself. I believe most states have it available online that you can sort of go through and get a copy of what you need. Um, I went ahead and had Yvonne write it up for me because I didn't want to make a mistake when I was doing this. Um, and we came out the day before Florida stay at home came into place, which I guess was, was that last Thursday? And um, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. Anyway, when it came in Thursday at midnight, which is 1201 Friday. Right. So on Thursday afternoon, I gave all of my employees a letter saying that they were essential employees and what their duties were and why they needed to be traveling. And, you know, I think the reality is that it is unlikely they're going to get stopped, uh, which in a way is almost unfortunate because it just shows you how many people must be on the roads that aren't supposed to be on the roads. Right. Um, that they can't sort of check everybody. But, if it happens, I know that my people are covered and they're going to be able to show up to work, which for us is really important because we do have a 30 stall operation here that needs to be looked after. Right. Yeah. And um, we have one employee and we are doing the same for him. And of course, uh, at the school, we we did the same for the instructors that come into the school to do the online distance learning with any of the equipment that we have at the school. So yeah, that's a good thing to have out for your employees just in case. Um, it's, it is, I mean, my plea is that we don't get out there and do things we shouldn't be doing. And we went to the grocery store uh, again yesterday and, and we wore masks this time. Um, I know that's going to be so weird. I have to admit, I'm really struggling with that. Mm-hmm. I, I know I'm, yeah, it just feels so wrong and I know it's what we have to do, but you know, I was feeling uncomfortable a week and a half ago wearing rubber gloves to fill my car up with gas. I can only imagine I'm going to feel with a mask, but it's what we need to do. So it is. And it's, you know, to everybody's point, you're not, it's not for you. It's for everybody else out there. Who knows if you are, are infected. I I probably am infected, but it probably isn't Corona. Yeah. It's something. Right. And I think back to the point on, on when you were talking about testing, right. And, and what's going on. I think the biggest test that that's going to be looked at is the um, blood test in which we can see we have the antibodies for um, the pandemic or the, the virus being in our blood system when we got recovered from it. Um, I know there's some debate right now with people that were extremely sick in January. And I know Briggs and Elisa were both respiratorily sick. Um, and we had to go to the doctor, we did all kinds of stuff and they're coming back now saying we might've had early infection and right. didn't even know it. Um, 
So I'm interested to see the blood test for Briggs and Elisa. Um, I think it, it'll be a tall tale to see, you know, what's sure. going on. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, listen, we're going to change gears a little bit. Um, when we come back, we've got Jay Hambly coming. We thought we would play an interview uh, that we had a few weeks ago when Jay was actually here at my farm. We were at that point very focused on eventing safety, which this is an eventing show. So we thought we would just transition that way a little bit. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Jay. Great. Special thanks to our contributing sponsor, Black Horse Farm, Fox Hunting and Eventing. Located in Area 4, Black Horse Farm and the Mossback Hounds in Elizabeth, Illinois, welcome active USEA eventers to come join them for an introductory fox hunt free of charge. Ride with Master of the Hounds, Tony Leahy, and the Mossback Hounds over some of the finest hunt territory in the entire country. For further details, visit Black Horse Farm on Facebook to arrange for a ride sponsor. Jump for Joy show jumps are FEI approved or perfect for your private farm. They're easy to move and high quality and durable, so there's never any painting or scraping required. Need a custom jump with your farm logo or a sponsor jump to place on course? The options are endless. Jump for Joy has something for every budget and can work with you on design. These are just a few of the jumps that we've had custom built for us over the years by Jump for Joy. Check them out at jumpforjoyusa.com. You can compare, you can contrast, but in the end, there's only one ultra-premium horse feed, Pro Elite Horse Feed. Its nutrition lock formulas ensure quality. Its advanced amino acid profiles maximize performance. Its regulated starch and sugar levels mean confident calorie sourcings, and its superior digestibility leads to an overall healthier horse. When it comes to feeding your champion horse, there is no competition. There's Pro Elite Horse Feed. For more information, visit www.proelitehorsefeed.com. When I compete, I demand the best out of my horses and myself. That means being the best version of me I can, both mentally and physically. That's why CrossFit Antics is my home gym. Coach Vilma creates a fun, welcoming environment that encourages athletes from beginners to seasoned veterans to be their best. New to CrossFit? No problem. Coach V will modify the workout to suit you in a fun, challenging way. Be sure to mention the John and Rick Show for a special discount. All right, welcome back to the John and Rick Show, the voice of the eventing radio show brought to you by Horse Trailer Pros via Skype for our coronavirus edition. And we are going to go in this segment sort of rewind a little bit and get ourselves refocused on safety and eventing. We had um, Jay Hambly, who is the course designer at the Ocala Horse Properties Horse Trials here in Florida. He also is the head builder at Bromont Horse Trials up in Montreal, Canada, and was part of the designing or building team, rather, the building team for the Tokyo Olympics, as well as built for Beijing um, and Hong Kong. So Jay certainly know. Yeah, he's got a huge, huge resume, certainly really knows his stuff. And so when right after we had the tragic accident with Catherine Morrell at Rocking Horse, obviously, we all got really pushing on the safety side of things and had a fundraiser going, which we have not given up on by any stretch. But I think we all just stepped back and said, we have to deal with reality right now in this coronavirus. 
Um, but we've done really well with that. We've got just under $100,000 raised right now. And when we get through this coronavirus and life returns to some level of normalcy, we will be sort of rekindling those those embers and getting that going again. And this is a pretty fun part of the show for me because I get to show off my farm a little bit. And we had um, my good friend and supporter, Mike French of Black Horse Farm, actually funded having Jay come out and build a MIM clip frangible ditch brush here on the farm. Um, and so let's take a minute, check out Jay's interview, hear what he did for us. You guys can see the jump. Welcome to Willow Run Farm, home of hauling eventing. I'm joined here by Jay Hambly, a good friend of mine who also happens to be a level four and five cross country course designer and actually has built two Olympic games, I guess actually one Olympic games and is working on building his second. We'll see if the uh, virus lets it happen or not. With a good team, both times. Well, David Evans team. Yes, absolutely. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so thanks for coming on. Yeah. And um, the reason I wanted to have Jay on the show today was actually to show everybody some of the technology that we can use on cross country courses. So we had Jay build us a ditch wall, but we went ahead and had a little safety device, a MIM clip system put on the wall. Um, so we're just going to show you this and show you how it works. So Jay. Well, let's check this out. Typically, a, a, ditch and, a ditch and wall are really quite safe because the ground line's so far out and it's very hard to make a mistake. And usually the mistake that's made is, worst case scenario, you end up jumping in the ditch, horse goes left to right, rider ends up standing there looking shocked. So added one level of risk management, if we were to hit the top of this now with the, with the MIM clip, it'll collapse like so and then stop a rotation from occurring. I think it's a great thing to use. It's available for us to use. So we, we used it here at Willow, Willow Run, which I think is awesome. Uh, I think uh, Mike French. Yeah, so um, my good friend and longtime supporter Mike French actually funded this because he wants to promote safety in the sport and reduce risk. Um, and you can see that right there is how you just go ahead and reset the whole device. It's pretty quick and easy to do, especially if you know what you're doing. <laughs> um, but Mike with Black Horse Farm said that he wanted to do something to promote safety here at home. So we built this ditch wall because we had the kit, quite honestly. Um, and then I know he's also going to be making a donation to the big full fund as well to try to increase safety throughout the whole sport and risk management. And it's great here at a private facility like this. When people come to schooling or John with his students or himself on a younger horse, your first ditch and brush at this size, why not have that that option? Especially if I'm going to be the guy riding it, because God knows I'll make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, we're super excited to have it. Thanks for putting all the time in to do it. And um, I do have one question. Yes. Uh, John and Rick show. Right. Everybody should watch it. Where's Rick? Uh, yeah. I mean. Some say he doesn't exist. I don't think he does. Yeah. I think you just put him in on the show. He's like a hologram. Yeah, because the John show doesn't sound good. No, gotta have the John and Rick. So, thanks for joining us. I'm gonna go yell at my dogs. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the John and Rick show, uh, presented by Horse Trailer Pros and the voice of the eventing radio show, John. That was a really cool uh, video. Can you talk us through um, some of the things and the features that even though Jay did in there, we can describe it a little bit more to our listeners and viewers. Yeah, so you know, it's just it's a it's a neat jump. 
obviously it's a ditch brush. It's a ditch wall. It kind of looks a little bit like an old-fashioned Weldon's wall. And the great thing about it is, well, just a ditch brush in general is a pretty safe fence to jump because it has a big ground line with a big ditch in front of it. But the whole idea with that is if a horse gets into trouble, um, the top half of that fence, you know, like the viewers got to see and the listeners got to hear a little bit about the top half of that fence has uh, a hinge basically right in the middle of the wall and the top half will collapse down and break away so that if the horse makes a mistake or the rider makes a mistake, they can get away from the fence safely um, or at least more safely and you minimize that risk there, which is the whole idea of all of this frangible technology is that you're minimizing risk. Right. And I, I think it was a really uh, eye opener of how you can design stuff like that. I don't think a lot of people pictured that kind of a folding down where you can just put it right back up. Correct. It just comes back up and blocks into place. Right. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things just to think about as a sport, as we go forward is, you know, obviously because the accident in February was at a ditch. Was it February or was it March? It was February, right? Gosh. February, 29th. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Um, because that accident was at a table, we've all been very focused on tables, which right. is a valid point. Um, but I think as a sport, a couple things. One, we want to get to a place where maybe we're getting away from galloping so many tables. They're big and boxy and, you know, 90% of the time they jump great, probably more than that. 99% of the time they jump great. But when you make a mistake at a table, even if it's a collapsible table, it, there's a pretty high price to pay. That's a big, heavy jump to move, even if it's made frangible. Um, and so I think things like this ditch brush, this Weldon's wall, if that can be put in in places, obviously it's not going to be portable like a table would be, but if you can do things like that and then still in, still install some sort of safety mechanism to that and not, you know, I think the biggest point to me is not say, oh, well, this is a safer fence, so we don't have to do anything. I think even if they're a safer fence, if you can still install safety features into that design to make it even more safe, right. yeah, let's do it. Right. So, no, I agree totally. And it's a discussion we can never give up on, even with the coronavirus going on and what's happening. I think this gives us a lot of time to think and reflect back on on what has happened in the past. And like to your point, though, we have a very safe sport um, in in statistic wise. Obviously, yeah. when you know people and, and you're as close to what happens and it happens to you or or the family members that it happened to, it's it hits home really hard. Um, we are all a part of what happened to um, Kat Morrell and Carry On and and definitely want her uh, to have a memory of really incentivizing us to even go further with even the past deaths that, that have happened and in the future carry on, no pun intended, uh, this this goal to, to get frangible and um, mem clips as many places as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think that's that's a great way of thinking about it. And I'm sure, you know, I didn't know Kat personally, but I'm willing to bet she would be in a way happy if we were to sort of take that name and carry on with it. I think that's I think actually it a, sort of came out. I mean, I'm like, let's carry on. Right. Yeah. I be the, it can be the, it can be the motto. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's a good one. Yeah, definitely. So, well, what do we I know that, 
Yeah. So, um, so I, I know that certainly I'll be, I'll be taking that forward for, for me for sure. And using it as a little bit of motivation to keep moving forward on that. So, right. um, so it's obviously been kind of a strange time for, for everybody. It's been a totally new look for our show. Um, I know myself for one, and I'm sure you as well, Rick, I can't wait to the day that we're able to drive back to the horse trailer pro studio. Um, yeah. I kind of miss it, Joel Wiesner a bit, huh? Uh, yeah, I miss Joel. Yeah, man. I wish I could go out to the river with him and do some fishing. He's stuck at the river house, but yeah. uh, no, he's a great part of the show and he's going to take everything we've done here today and meld it all together and make it look magical. And, and hopefully, you know, we continue to bring news to everybody and continue to have the open conversations of, of what makes a vending tick and what makes these eventing riders and uh, owners tick as well. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy that we're able to keep things going. And, you know, like I said, I just want to, want to get to the place where we can get back to the studio. We can walk over to the gas station, get some good gas station and, um, and the hot dog and, and get, you know, Joel likes a good chili dog with some cheese and onion on it. I know that. So I'm looking forward to that. What do we have coming up on the next show as we wind down this, this fifth episode that we have going on? Yeah. So our next show, we've got some more interviews that I was able to get before we had this Florida stay at home. I know we're going to have Buck Davidson on. We're going to have Peter Gray. Um, then we're also going to have uh, Zach Brandt and Audrey Stanka. So we've got those interviews coming up. And then we're going to have a, uh, a surprise guest as well that um, you'll have to pay attention to the John and Rick show Facebook page and see who that person might be. And I'm not just being sly because I don't know who it is. We do actually have a guest in place here. Um, but in truth, we have to make a couple phone calls to confirm things. It's between two people. And when we get that sorted out, who has access to the right technology to be able to get on here and has good enough broadband service or Wi-Fi service so that we make sure that we can actually do this. Um, we'll get that for you, but it will be, um, you know, another, another show basically focusing on, on eventing and eventing in today's world and what we need to do to keep ourselves moving forward and be ready to go when we hit the ground running. Uh, that's exciting. I can't wait for that. And listen, as we wind down, stay safe, stay at home, follow the uh, CDC guidelines on how to participate in the outside population. Um, let's all do this together and we'll be thinking of you until we see you again or hear you again. Excellent. Till next time. Rick Wallace. And I have John Holly here with me. Three phases, dressage, cross country, show jump and you're out on course and something's going wrong or going right, you know how to react to what they're doing. It was built originally to be a schooling facility and so everything's set up very conveniently.